Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Jane and I'm excited to be doing this uh, talk this afternoon. Uh, I'm a school teacher and so true to my stereotype I have brought a visual aid with me. Here it is. I hope that that um, sets the scene and I know one of the things I love about this church is that you are such an accepting and non-judgmental group of people. So I feel, I feel happy about that. Okay, I've really enjoyed meditating on the story of the Ethiopian man who lived 2000 years ago and responded with joy when he heard the good news about Jesus. I've been meditating and thinking about it and I enjoy thinking and I think that God likes us to think about the Bible so I thought that this afternoon I would use a thinking tool that I use in my science teaching. So the thinking tool, first slide, thank you, is notice, think, wonder. So what do you notice? What do you think is going on? And what does this make you wonder? And we're going to apply those three questions to this passage to help us think about it. So the first question, what do you notice? Okay, we're going to notice. And in particular, I would like you to notice, because I'm going to ask you to do this as well as me, what practical questions do you notice arising as you read that story about the Ethiopian eunuch? So if you have the Bible in front of you, maybe go to that passage. We could go back to the slides, although the trouble is they're very big, so it's lots of slides. So think about the passage and the reading that you heard. If you have a copy of the Bible there, have a look at it. And I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to think about practical questions that arise as you read it. So I'm thinking about questions like, where was Ethiopia? That sort of question. Maybe tell the person next to you and then uh, we'll hear what people thought. It was chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 26 of Acts. Okay, then what sort of questions arose for you? Um, Chris has got the microphone, so... This is Kirk's one, but it's a funny one. How fast does a chariot go How to fast run along? Does a chariot time? go? Yeah. yeah. And maybe question. another one from me. Um, why was he in Jerusalem? Why was he in Jerusalem? Uh, I'm wondering why uh, an Ethiopian is reading Jewish. Old Testament scriptures as he as he goes along. Seems a bit unusual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I didn't think the Bible had been published, so I wondered how it got its hands on the scroll of Isaiah. Yeah, good question. Whether it's like really wealthy or, or whatever, I mean, mm. and yeah. it must have been a huge thing. Yeah, and he was a foreigner. Yeah. A non-Jew. And a eunuch, mm. after what we read earlier. Yeah. I was just um, interested in, uh, they were in the desert, um, but then they came along and they found some water. Just wondering about that, where the water was in the desert. Mm. And how frequently, like, was there lots of water there? Yeah, or? that's right. Yeah. Anyone else? Is no one. Oh, oh one more from Lisa. I've got, I got hundreds of questions. Um, oh, forgotten. Oh, yeah. Um, could a eunuch, could a Jew or converted Jew be with an Ethiopian eunuch? Um, why do they mention that he's a eunuch or Ethiopian eunuch? Um, and the spirit plays a big thing. Like, spirit seems to be making people appear and disappear. How did Philip know, recognize the spirit? Mm. Okay. Well, oh. Yep. Chris has got one. Yep. Yeah. What's going on there? Okay. Well, they're all really good questions. Um, I'm not going to answer all of them. Sorry about that. But I will actually answer some of them because I had some of the same questions. Uh, these are the questions that I thought I would try and address while I was doing this talk. So first question, where was Ethiopia? How far away was it from Jerusalem? Why was an Ethiopian going to Jerusalem to worship when he wasn't a Jew? Were eunuchs allowed to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem? So what would have happened when he got there? Okay. First one of those questions, where was Ethiopia and how far away was it from Jerusalem? Well, I thought this was a good excuse for a map. So this map is of the region and it shows Judea and Jerusalem up the top of the Red Sea and to the right a bit. And the Oh, a pointer. Ah, thank you. So I don't want to go too far away from the microphone for people on Zoomies. Uh, so there's Jerusalem. And Ethiopia was not where modern day Ethiopia, Ethiopia is. It was down here uh, in Nubia. And that region was referred to in other places in the Old Testament. It was called the land of Cush and the Cushites, which I, I, I can remember reading about Cushites. So uh, that's where he came from, around there. Modern day Ethiopia is more down here, it's south. And he went all the way up to Jerusalem and then presumably he went back home again. 
Now that area of Nubia is about 1,600 kilometers south of the Mediterranean. So it was a long way from Nubia to uh, Jerusalem. One of the references that I read said, estimated that it would have taken him about five months both ways. So it was a long trip. Now he was a finance minister, so maybe he was going to other places on the way, we don't know. But nonetheless, it was a big trip. It was a big investment of his time and effort. Okay, so that's the first question. Now the second question, why was an Ethiopian going to Jerusalem to worship? Why was he going there in the first place? How did someone who came from Ethiopia know about Judaism? Well, the answer to that is that there were a lot of Jews in a lot of places. And that's called the Jewish diaspora. And it happened for lots of reasons. So we know that the Assyrians came in and they took over the Northern Kingdom and took a whole lot of people into captivity. Then the Babylonians came and they took over the, North, the Southern Kingdom and took all of them into captivity. As well as that, there were famines in some places. So the Jews would move. They might move to join family in other areas. They might have been refugees from conflict or natural disasters even. So you can see that this map shows us arrows which show the directions that the Jews went. Now, the pink stuff is the Roman Empire at about the time that this story took place, so about 100 AD. And you can see that the Jews went to lots of places. Now, you won't be able to see this, but those dots don't know how good my aim is. Those dots down there, uh, one of those is Thebes, and there was an ancient synagogue there. They found remains of that. And then the other dot up there, I can't remember, that's near it, I can't remember what it was, but that was known as a big Jewish community. There was a, evidence of a Jewish community there. So you can see that even though Nubia or Ethiopia was a long way from Jerusalem, it's conceivable that this guy had heard about Judaism because there would have been Jews not that far away from where he lived. Okay, it was estimated in the first century that 80% of Jewish people did not live in Judea. They lived in other areas. So clearly he had heard about Judaism from Jews, and he had decided that he wanted to worship the Jewish God. He had decided that he longed for that. He must have been very, very committed to that idea to go all the way to Jerusalem. Um, just as an aside there, because the Jews had gone to lots and lots of different places, the Old Testament scriptures had been translated into Greek. And so this guy who 
probably would have spoken or read Greek because of the antics of Alexander the Great, who spread Greek culture all over this area. Um, Greek, it seems like Greek was sort of the language like English is now. So people spoke Greek as a second language. And so that meant that this guy could read Old Testament scripture and know what it meant. Okay, third question. Were eunuchs allowed to worship God at the temple in Jerusalem? So what would have happened when this man got there? Would he have been allowed to worship God? Well, it's uncertain how first century Judaism would have responded to him. There are two um, verses in, or two passages in the Old Testament scriptures that talk about eunuchs, and we've read both of them. So there was the one in Deuteronomy, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. So that seems fairly clear. But then there's also the, the passage, the beautiful verses in Isaiah chapter 56, which talk about the eunuchs being given a special place before God. So, uh, let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree, for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. What a beautiful promise to, to someone who is a eunuch. So what would have happened? Well, the eunuch may have been allowed to go into the court of the Gentiles in the, in the temple. He was a Gentile. Maybe they, had, maybe they would have excluded him. Maybe he would have just had to go to a synagogue to find out more about God. We don't know. Now I'm going to do a bit of wondering here. I think it's very interesting that the book of scripture that this man decided to get, and we've already talked about how it probably would have been very difficult for him to get it, expensive, and he was a non-Jew, why did he choose the book of Isaiah? It was probably the only one that he had. Well, maybe he chose the book of Isaiah because it was the book that had those verses of promise in it. And they, like he, long, he obviously longed to be acceptable to God. And they were the verses that gave him that promise. They would have been very special to him, I imagine. And I'm also wondering here, well, I've never actually read anything in a scroll, but you can imagine it's quite difficult. It's not like a book where you can move quickly from one place to another, but in a scroll, you have to do all that scrolling to get, and you go past everything before you can get to another thing. So maybe he was reading chapter 56 and then started reading around it and got to chapter 53. Which is, the story, which is the passage of the suffering servant. And that's where he was when Philip encountered him. And was, Philip was then able to explain the gospel to him through that message. 
Okay, let's do some more wondering now. So we've noticed questions, we've thought about them, got some background, now let's wonder. I'm sure that you've been wondering. These are the things that I wondered about. First of all, did the Ethiopian man take Christianity back to his own people? Were other people converted through him? Because that would be pretty special if that's what happened. Well, we can't really know the answer to this. We have this very special little picture of what happened to this man 2000 years ago, but we don't have his life story. We don't know what else happened to him. Irenaeus, who was a bishop in the early church, who was writing in the second century, says that the eunuch on his return became an evangelist to the Ethiopians. But we don't know whether he was just sort of guessing that that would have been what would happen or whether he had independent sources of information. So we don't really know. But we do know that Ethiopia, that is modern day Ethiopia, so just south of this territory, we know that it accepted Christianity very early on. Now this has challenged my preconceived notions about how African people became Christians. Ethiopia comes from two Greek words. It means, the first bit of it means burnt, the second bit of it means face. So these people were black-skinned Africans. This man, this Ethiopian eunuch was a black-skinned African. And Ethiopia, modern day Ethiopia, uh, it became officially Christian in the fourth century. It was one of the first kingdoms in the world to become officially Christian. So I was thinking, you know, people who are black Africans became Christians because Western missionaries went to Africa. Well, some of them did, but these people, fourth century is before English people even existed and they were accepting the message of Christ and becoming Christians. Okay, last wonder. Why did Luke include this account in Acts? And what does God want us to learn from it? Well, I'm gonna give three answers to that question. I'm sure it's a much bigger question than that and there are lots of other answers, but these are the three I thought I'd talk about. First of all, I think that Luke has deliberately included this little story in Acts because of the way that it, it shows that the statement by Jesus in the beginning of Acts is being fulfilled. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Previously in Acts, we've talked about the disciples witnessing in Jerusalem, 
Judea, they suffered persecution, they spread. Philip, before this incident, was in Samaria telling people about Jesus. And now he talks to this man who comes from Ethiopia, which at that time would have been regarded as sort of the limits of the civilized world. So this is evidence that the gospel is spreading to the rest of the world. Second answer I have to that question. When I read this passage, I was struck by the way that Luke talks about this, the spirit of God working in this situation. So the spirit talks to Philip and sends him to this road where this guy will be. Then he tells him to go and stand next to the Ethiopian. And then at the end, the spirit takes Philip away. We don't really know how, as, which sort of indicates that, that God just wanted Philip there for this one purpose and then he left. So this man, this Ethiopian eunuch, is very important to God, I think. And part of it, I think, is the fulfillment of God's big plan. But I, I, I wonder and I think, well, is part of it because God loved this man. This man longed to know God. And God has responded to that and come to him miraculously and, and given him the message of Jesus. James chapter four, verse eight says, come near to God and he will come near to you. I think this shows something amazing about God. He is such an amazing multitasker. He can both achieve grand world-changing plans at the same time as, as dealing lovingly with an individual and satisfying that guy's longing to know him. And I think he does that quite a lot. I think God does that quite a lot. Okay, finally, the Ethiopian man was not only a foreigner, but he was a eunuch. He was a damaged person. And this story shows how God is accepting people from different places, so non-Jews, Gentiles, but also it shows how he is accepting and opening up that acceptance to people who in the past were not accepted by the Jews. He is opening the door for people who have been damaged. He did this very deliberately and publicly, and by doing that showed that even a eunuch can be saved by the message of Jesus. Nothing can make us unacceptable to God. No physical imperfections, no illnesses of mind or body, no lack of social standing, no broken dreams, no disappointments, no grief, repeated failures or shame. If we come to God in repentance, he will open our, his arms to us. And I think that's what this story shows.
sometimes when we pray, I think we can feel like there's a barrier. God, there's a wall there. Well, remember that Jesus destroyed that wall. And so it's because we've put it back again, because we think that something we've done or something we haven't done, haven't prayed enough, haven't read the Bible enough, spoke that way to that person, that those things have put a wall between us and God, but he didn't put it there. Take it down. God accepts all of us in our brokenness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Okay, I'll pray and then finish. Thank you, Father, for giving us this story about a man who lived such a long time ago, but who, like us, longed to be accepted by you. Thank you that you have accepted him and us because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. Please help us to know that we can always come to you for love and acceptance. Amen. Thanks, Jane. We're going to finish by singing again, Rock of Ages. Thanks, music team. <laughs>